ladies and gentlemen, you know her as the former co-host of X-Play, and now she's the head of community for Bonfire Studios. I'm joined today by the one and only Morgan Webb, and I've got to admit it is a little surreal having the person from my old television screen here on this call with me for the 200th episode of the 1099. Morgan, hi, how are you? Hi. I'm already going to call you to task, though. Oh, okay, okay. No, it's fine. I'm kidding. Um... I I, uh, I tend to like to give people. Do we swear on this show? You can say whatever the fuck Sweet. you want. I am sassy, and I always give people shit. So I probably should have uh, predicated my um, <laughs> st- started with that. Uh, no, but so it... we actually we actually don't have titles at Bonfire. Okay, I I wondered about that because I was like. I, I noticed like on the about page and all that it, it, there was like community, but it didn't like say fuck like what of community uh and and it's been a little more more, that's cool that's that's interesting and uh i i am super excited to learn more about bonfire because you've got uh yourself and mr rob pardo of blizzard starcraft and wow and warcraft fame and uh before we dive into things you went to uc berkeley i discovered while doing some uh uh youtube rabbit hole jumping (laughs) (laughs) i did i went to berkeley that's that's funny. My partner actually goes there for uh, the journalism grad school program. What did what did you study? Hey. Uh, I studied rhetoric and also Italian. What I don't the, remember what, what that is, much rhetoric? Italian. <laughs> <laughs> rhetoric is basically philosophy plus semantics. So there's a lot of argument construction, deconstruction, and general semantics, uh, but usually within the context of uh, philosophy. Okay. Is it kind of like a merger of like philosophy and like debates kind of uh, things like that? Yeah, but it's also sort of making meaning, how, how meaning is constructed um, in words, but not only visually. Um, and then I, of course, spent a lot of time in my life with video games and how, you know, meaning is constructed in video games. And that's a, you know, confluence of, you know, narrative and, you know, visual clues and, and, clues about gameplay and how you're supposed to interact with it. So I felt like it actually had some impact on my life I, okay. and on my, my, my future career. That's funny. Cause like the, the, the question I could ask next is like, what the, how the, how the heck did that get you from Burke to uh, uh, tech TV? And, but tell me, tell me more about that. Like what, yeah. what kinds of things were you writing uh, or, or uh, speaking about when you were trying to apply this, this rhetoric teaching to uh, game studies and whatnot? Um, I wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know how sort of life takes you on these funny paths. Um, so I was really interested in computers in college. Um, I didn't have any money, so I, you know, which is sort of the mother of invention sometimes is that I would take my friend's old computer parts and try to put them together into a computer. Um, so I learned a lot about that. I did some programming as a hobby, something I was interested in in college. And so when I got out of college, uh, I got a job as a, as a programmer, I'm not a, don't remember anything. So don't ask me anything, <laughs> any specific questions. Um, so this is a long time ago, but, um, so, and, and so it programming, you know, it was a startup. So kind of like this sort of bonfire life here where you have to know a little bit of everything and what you don't know, you figure out. Um, so I learned a lot from that first job. And then, uh, I had a friend from that job, Kat Schwartz, who some people may or may not remember, um, who, gotten a job at tech tv and then just called me up and was like you should apply to tech tv and i was like okay and i applied i was a i had technical knowledge and uh i just got hired there 
And, you know, I, I, uh, I went to Ball State over in Indiana, uh, which is a really nice journalism school, even though the kind of the surrounding town, it's, it's, it's a lot of like stories about potholes and not much else. Uh, but uh-huh. I, I got the chance to do a lot of like broadcast training and I really wanted, yeah. I really wanted to pick your brain about those kind of tech TV days and X play days. And, uh, you did, you did your, the first job you like, yeah, was on screensavers if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yes, I was to do um, like technical research. Mm-hmm. So if that's what I had been hired for. So if there was anything like, you know, I'm trying to think of an example now, but which is the best graphics card or how do you do this thing or how do you do that thing? Mm-hmm. I, I am coming up with terrible examples because I don't remember. <laughs> um, but then I started doing Windows tips, producing Windows tips on air uh, for Leo Laporte. And then I started doing them on air and because it was an hour and a half daily live show and an hour and a half daily is a lot of content <laughs> it's like a con- it was like, it's like a monster it's like a content monster you can't create enough content for it so basically it was just that situation where everybody's like you are a human come here <laughs> yeah please talk to me <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I, I know that that feeling when you're like you're at the scene of a story and you're like, I don't care who you are. Just please talk. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I, I when <laughs> I, so I, I I was mostly like writing uh, written journalism in my uh-huh. studies, but I also like had to do a lot of broadcast track training as well. They, they wanted us to you know, have the whole picture and I liked it and I kind of liked the the theater of it all. Um, a part of that is having lived with theater kids too for like three years, but, uh, uh, how, how do you even begin to do that in a broadcast setting? Like, yeah, it, it must be we, all writers and editors worry about like deadlines and whatnot, but when you are like a live TV program, uh, that has to be pretty tough and exhausting. It is. You get used to it though. Do you? Yeah. And I, I, there's good parts about it and bad parts about it, um, but it's all I had known and that's all I had known for a long time. I mean, the bad parts about it is that you, um, I mean, the bad parts about it is like, you, you go on. I mean, the show starts at 4.30, period. So you get a lot of these things where it's like, oh my God, your grandma died. I'm so sorry. So cool. Um, you have... Five minutes? Is five minutes going to be enough? Is that, is that going to be fine? Let's tears. Let's put some makeup yeah, on. Yeah, no, I mean, it really it really is. Um, but on the other hand, like, I'm good at a deadline. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't miss doing the live shows. It's a grind. It's exhausting and it's a grind. And it's funny, uh, I was tweeting out about the show, like, hey, folks, if you've got a question for uh, you know, Ms. Morgan, uh, let us know. And your old friend, Mr. Adam Sessler, uh, yep. asked, yeah, what happened to that funny looking bald guy that stood to your right? <laughs> What are, uh, before we jump into like bonfire studio stuff, I've, I'm really curious, you know, what are some of the, what are some of the fondest memories you kind of taken away from your X play and tech TV days? And, uh, what are the things that like maybe stick with you even to this day? It was a really special group of people. And I mean, that's like, I have been doing freelancing when I was like after X play and what I missed most and what I have again at bonfire is this sort of this really amazing team of people that I love. And, you know, I'm still on a Slack channel with all my old ex-play friends and Facebook groups and we all keep up with each other. And it's a really special group of people. We, you know, you get close to people when we never had enough money. Um, 
we were always making it work and you know you get really bonded with people when you're in those scrappy crazy situations where you know you have to shoot a show in japan but you could only afford to go for two days mm -hmm. so you know you land work for 48 hours and go home so it was i i i i loved it um and i know a lot of people are nostalgic for it um was time and everybody's moved on and is doing really amazing things so yeah. i love seeing where everybody has transitioned to i got the the honor of meeting adam at gdc super briefly uh in the press room and uh it, <laughs> shock of shocks he was like i know who the hell you are i was like what <laughs> oh. uh but seeing him uh and you kind of jump into the the game dev side of things has been really fascinating um uh, the thing that gets me uh and because I, I went to school for at least undergrad for journalism and, and journalism studies, uh, of course, the my my favorite part of going to grandma's was, uh, of course, she cooked really good. She loved you. She was super cuddly and everything. But she had the cable package that had G4. Sweet. <laughs> and so Gotta like, love grandma for yeah, that. <laughs> X-Play and, and OG Ninja Warrior, not this American Ninja Warrior, but... Uh, do you? Do I know you they totally stole that from us. It was really annoying. Yeah. No. I. I is it? Was it a different network? Did that? Did they take the Ninja Warrior name? Oh my goodness. Oh no. I'm. I'm. I'm joking. We're. We're all part of the sort of the same family. Um. I think everybody wants. Always wants us to have all these hard feelings and resentments, and we don't no, really. No. Um. Which is hilarious. They're like, you're supposed to hate this other outlet. I'm like, no. We all. We're all friends. We all did the same thing. We all hung out. Um. But no. So yeah. A Ninja Warrior had been found by. Uh, one of our producers and it was this whole project that G4 did and then it ended up on NBC mm -hmm. um, and we were like they stole that from us well do <laughs> but, you think you know. do you think anything even like close to X-Play could exist on TV today we're in like another step in the evolution of media with of course you know the the advent of streaming uh, beginning to take over everything uh, could some they like IGN had a couple of programs run on I think Disney XD uh, but do you think there's room for that long-term? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the problem we had, and, you know, this is not the only problem, but a problem that we had was that, you know, we were in that transitional time mm -hmm. when we were moving to this DVR model, but our our um, our viewers were the early adopters of that. So we, we got kind of hit by this thing that nobody watched our commercials, and I think that the content is available online. It's probably better available chunked as opposed to having that half hour show. Mm. Um, I'm not saying it could never exist or won't ever exist. I think there's also a thing where mainstream media doesn't really get video games at all. And you need people who actually care about video games and get video games first. And I don't think that I don't know. Maybe I've almost given up on mainstream media. <laughs> there have been a couple of like really, really solid examples of, uh, yeah, that, that lack of perspective. The time um, just had uh, Ninja, the streamer, as like one of the most influential, 100 most influential people of, of the year. And people had plenty of thoughts and opinions about that. But uh, let's dive into Bonfire stuff because I really want to hear uh, first, like how how, at what point did you say, I want to step away from media. When did you step away from media? And like, what was kind of the driving force behind jumping into the opposite side of the industry? Um, 
Let's see. I wish I had a, an amazing origin story for you, but I don't think that I do. <laughs> um, I fell into a vat of toxic chemicals and... Um, I had known Rob Pardo for a long time because um, just from being in the industry and um, we had both left our positions at around the same time. Um, he had been at Blizzard um, and I was obviously was a G4. And so we kind of had that in common. And um, yeah, he was starting up this company. I knew uh, Min Kim, who was also here. I had known him for a long time. So it just seemed like a really great space and a great opportunity. What I like about it is I think that there are, you know, I had opportunities at other places to be, you know, community manager, that kind of thing. And, and I think, unfortunately, it's not, I think community is so important, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're going to try to create a positive community, um, but I think it doesn't have a good connotation or it doesn't have a good reputation. It's like, oh, you just tweet or whatever. Sure. Um, social media so manager. Yeah, the social media manager. So Bonfire really looks at it differently in that not, you know, we have a community of players, but we also have a community of developers who we're, who we're recruiting from. We also probably have a community of vendors that we're working with. Um, and so those are all really important people to us. Um, and trying to think about ways that we can engage with the community, you know, in a positive way mm-hmm. from the ground up and build all of these ideas in from the start. So what I like about Bonfire is that um, also it's a startup. So basically they do that thing where they're like, you're a human, you know how to set up the servers. And you're like, kind of, I think I do. I'll figure it out. Um, so I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, it's like I get to wear six hats. I get to be a little bit of a generalist, but I also get to work on things that I'm passionate about. It mm-hmm. I'm passionate about. Um, so, and every day is different, which I enjoy. And it's really a place where you can say, "Hey, I want that. That looks really cool. I want to be involved in that." Oh, we're working on our, you know, what we're looking for in hiring, or we're look, working on our culture, or we're working on our values. Anybody can jump in and work on that and have impact and perspective. So, um, or that's at least the goal of what we're working on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, trying to scale it is not always, you know, easy. So if you have ideas, let me know. Um, (laughs) I I was going to ask, we we work on it. The the thing that always terrifies me, I, I, I work in various sectors of, of freelancing. So I get to write plenty of stories about like smaller developers or like businesses, uh, kind of starting up or, or shutting down and, the thing that always terrifies me is how long it seems to take to get uh, a studio running. You hire everybody and so on. I saw uh, Pardo uh, like either sharing sharing some sort of tweet like, yeah, we're looking for uh, another member of Bonfire and uh, just today. And how do, how do you even begin to plan that far ahead and say like, we're going to work for three, maybe like five years on this single project, but here we are in like the first five months uh like what what is what does that road look like when you're starting at the very beginning of it you do your best guess yeah um you it's just step by step man it's like every because we also moved into an office Mm -hmm. um and yeah you just do best guess you do roadmaps 
you don't make it, you make the wrong guesses. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's <laughs> not a good answer. You guess. No, I get it. You totally guess. You totally guess. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, hope and prayer involved in that too. I can imagine. Um, but like by like hearing you, I, I managed to listen to the the 20 minute talk you did with, uh, or rather, you were like the the moderator with Mr. Rob Pardo there at uh, the Games Beat Summit, and he, he, he uses a lot of tree metaphors. Did that stick out to you? I... We use them. Yeah. At bonfire, yes, we use the, we use tree metaphors. We use camping metaphors. Um, I was gonna say, is it a yeah. is it a little morbid that you use tree metaphors when your studio name is called Bonfire? Yeah, I think it was because of the wood, and we also we think of our sort of our pitches and our as seeds because um, we had been referring them to to the pitches as like ugly babies, but we decided that wasn't <laughs> really because you want to protect them. Like yeah. we need to sort of give that idea because you know somebody has puts this idea out into the world. And everybody else could say, that's a terrible idea for these 100 reasons, but you have to think about it as like this, this kernel of an idea or a seed or an ugly baby or something like that so that everybody can spend their time plusing the idea and seeing if they can make it better and how they can make it better. Um, also, you should watch the talk I did with uh, Ted Price because we talk a lot about trying to figure out how to hire the right people, which is something that is huge when you're doing a startup, is trying to find trying to find people. Mm -hmm. um, and it's especially hard because, you know, in the games industry, everyone's on a project. And so it's timing on both sides. Um, we have a bit of a different model. Like we have equity, which is not something that a lot of people are used to in game companies. And that's so like, that's like investment in the company, like, like a, a stock ownership or something, right? Yeah, no, exactly. So everybody who comes in has, gets equity. Um, it, it's more of like the Silicon Valley startup kind of thing. So you would be, a, you know, people are actual owners of the of Bonfire. And I, I did see you in the talk that I listened to. I think uh, you and Pardo had talked about uh, some of those you know, cultural values at the the company. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, I mean, the, the games industry is no stranger to uh, any amount of controversy and bad apples and also systemic uh, problems in studios, uh, plenty of them. So what do you look out for uh, when you're like looking to bring someone into kind of your family, uh, especially at a studio that may not be like a hundred people big? Um, what are those values that you kind of look for in people? Well, so yeah, we're talking a lot about it. We have values. We currently have cultural values that we are currently you know, trying our best to talk to people and hire against. We're not sharing our values right now, okay. partly because, um, I mean, the idea is that they're iterative. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be, everything at Bonfire is iterative. If somebody comes in with a better idea or a better way to phrase it, we want to be open to that and make sure that everybody has a chance to participate. But the truth is, culture isn't, you know, isn't values painted on a wall. Culture is how you live. And culture is who we are and the people that are in the room. So, you know, we talk a lot about leading by example. Um, it has to come from the top. Like we have, you know, open PTO or open time off. But if nobody, you know, nobody at the company take time off, then 
you know, that's going to, you have to lead by example. You have to take the vacation because then it gives everybody else the permission to take the vacation. You have to call out the bad behavior because it gives everybody else permission to call out the bad behavior. Um, So, you know, we kind of have a bit of a not tough interview process, but it's a little bit long and we ask a lot of questions and we have a lot of conversations and touch points um, and you just do your best. And that's all that we can do. And then when somebody comes in, we try to make sure to watch out for each other and watch out for them. And, you know, we're not always going to get it right, but we're going to give it a shot. Yeah. You raised the interesting point about uh, leading by example. And just this past couple months, we've had uh, what feels like several stories about um, companies where uh, perhaps there is a policy of, of paid time off or vacation time or uh, any any sort of benefits. But the either the full-timers or like the contractors feel like they can't use them because there's a social pressure to 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 like stick it out for the night or stick it out for the weekend and like if you you know quote unquote abandon your team you know you're letting everybody down um you've you've been fortunate enough to kind of crisscross paths with i imagine thousands and thousands of developers uh what were some of the did you ever have those kinds of conversations where someone like was able to illustrate to you like the hardships that a like poorly managed uh, team goes through? I mean, I come from journalism, so I can't, I don't want to speak for other people. Um, Journalism is, you know, game journalism is rough. I mean, you can probably also speak to that. Um, (laughs) You know, like we in journalism, I mean, we probably didn't pay enough for our freelancer articles. I don't know what the going rate is now, but our, for our freelance game reviewers, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a hard business. And I, I don't know, it's probably changed a lot. I hope it's changed a lot since, um, since back in the day. Um, I know OpenPTO has potential issues. We talk about it a lot. Um, and I think that's the, sort of the best thing that you can do is lead by example and talk about it a lot. Um, but, you know, it has... It has issues. Like the way we're thinking about it is that so we do um, like a summer, a summer and a winter shutdown. So I mean, we don't like lock the office. You could come in if you it's want like to, it's but, like a church lock. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, and for example, I actually personally worked on the last one because it really didn't fit my personal vacation schedule. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited to get like these three little, like these three projects that I really wanted <laughs> to get done when nobody else was bothering me. Um, and that's my, that was my choice. Um, but nobody else chose to do that. It was just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So it's just, I think it's, you have to lead by example and you have to talk about it. Yeah. Tell me. I mean, that's the key that we've taken away is that as long as we're talking about it, we're winning. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I know that um, there have been examples. Uh, I forget what the company is now. I think it might have been <sighs> Epic or NetherRealm. But, and you see this at, at numerous companies, m- major ones and small ones, where they, they seem to discourage the talking about uh, those kinds of issues. And that can really put a hamper on uh, studio employees and make them less productive and, and happy with their career. But um, tell me, tell me a little bit about, yeah, I mean, the, oh, the truth is like we're competing for talent sure. and you know, you've got to attract it. People. Yeah. People have options. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, you know, yeah. So you mentioned that Bonfire doesn't have job titles. And I know there are a couple of companies that do that. Um, seems like uh, I know Valve has kind of a structureless structure. Uh, but what is it? What does it mean to kind of not have job titles as a studio like Bonfire? And what does that mean for the the way you perform your work? Okay, so I mean, it's not a perfect system. And again, everything at Bonfire is iterative, so I, I can't, mm -hmm. you know, promise you that in the future we won't have titles, or we won't decide that it might be the right thing, or if we get really, like a lot bigger, then it might be the right thing. But currently, it's that, you know. I can work on things that aren't technically in my job description. And we're, since we're small, that's essential for mm. us. Um, like if I need to, you know, do some like Photoshopping for some UI, it's not like they have to go find my boss and see if they can borrow me for a few minutes. They're like, oh my God, do you have like 20 yeah. minutes? And I'll be like, yes, I do. <laughs> um, so it's really about flexibility because on small teams, it's going to be that situation where, you know, one day the best thing that you could be doing for your team is some like really specialized, really high craft work. And the next day it might be exporting. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it might be like not, and hopefully it's not that, but like, you know, we all need to have that mindset of where it's all hands on deck. We're all working. We're all pushing towards this, this similar goal. We're all pushing towards the same goal and whatever we need to do to make that happen, even if it's not in our job description is what we need to do. Kind of sounds like a lot of uh, like producer style roles, um, kind of like amorphous. Uh, it's a shame that we can't be joined by uh, the, the former host, Josiah Renaudin here uh, for you know plenty of reasons, EA chief among them. Uh, he his initial job with uh tan gentleman aka tangent studios was essentially a, a producer and it did seem like he was kind of just this man who was meant to uh, uh like hey do you have 20 minutes to like tackle this very specific problem he couldn't like code or program to save his life but if it's something that like you know the for the betterment of like the team as a whole he was usually the one who you know kind of was eager to tackle it right yeah and and we're trying to sort of foster that idea with everybody. Um, and everybody we have is excited to always jump in and do whatever it takes. So, and how many people work at, so far it's working. We're working at bonfire right now. Can you talk about that? And it's a great question. I mean, you can look on our website and we can count yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, uh, uh, so during this games beat summit talk, uh, part of, part of uh, when you were talking about that, like essentially the way you guys, I don't know if this is true for like every studio, probably not, but, uh, you guys effectively had like a game pitch jam of sorts, uh, where you all made like 40, everyone submitted like an idea for a game and you ended up with something like 40 total. And then uh, like through, I guess, perhaps a, a like voting process or something, you whittled that down to one. And that seems to be the, the one like core idea now that bonfire is working from like, how, how does that work? How does, how does that pitching process work? And how do you get a bunch of people to agree on one idea when they all have God only knows how many in their head? Um, so we all pitched everybody in the studio pitched, um, which was a yeah. lot of fun. Um, we're a very collaborative studio and we listen to each other a lot and we, talk to each other a lot. Um, so it weirdly was fine. 
And I know I sound like I have so much trepidation in my voice because it should have been like we used to like we would have very animated we would have very animated um, discussions on X Play. Like, can you like being in the room when they're trying to decide on game of the year is hilarious. It's like Fallout Three or Portal Two. There was like I don't remember. There was one epic. Oh no, it was like Fable versus Fallout. Oh my god, I don't remember the. But yeah, like Fable Two. Those epic Fox shouting matches, like of course, uh, where oh my feelings god. get hurt. Like bribery. bribery. Oh my god. Yeah, when I was trying to get Portal Two um, Game of the Year, I um, I may have bought a number of cakes. <laughs> right, thematically appropriate. <laughs> exactly, and also you get to buy cake, which is fun. Um, it wasn't. I, I'm not. I don't want to say that it was acrimonious, but they were very um, animated. Whereas. Um, you know, Bonfire is very respectful and thoughtful and strategic and really good people. Um, so it wasn't a big acrimonious shouting anything. It was just we had a lot of consideration and a lot of really experienced people and a lot of great discussions. So see, these are not these are not dramatic stories. No, I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> a part a part a thing I'm trying to do with this podcast these days, and I'm sure people uh-huh. have thoughts about how well it's going. Uh, Josiah, the, Josiah, I jumped on the show uh, as host around episode 184, I think, and uh, Josiah did, of course, you know, one one through 183, and I was really pissed at Josiah for a while because as I was planning out, like, who do I want for like big episodes here, here, and here, I was like, shit, he's already interviewed Danny O'Dwyer, shit, he's already interviewed uh, <laughs> Sessler, shit, he's already interviewed da, da 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 all these games, all these games media personalities. So I'm like, damn it, I want to talk to more dev side people and uh get the nitty-gritty mm-hmm. of everything so do not worry whatsoever <laughs> okay <laughs> tell me about um uh i this piqued my curiosity because i am both a former uh, public librarian and a barnes and noble bookseller uh there's a bonfire book club which also again sounds slightly morbid when you begin to think about it but <laughs> but uh i hadn't thought of it that way now i like it more <laughs> Um, yes. So we, um, there's a number of books that we've read and and they're not necessarily the end all be all of books or, you know, we're very careful when we read something that we don't take it as gospel, but we talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it's been very helpful for us to have shared language, um, and shared terms. So, um, like, you know, beyond entrepreneurship is one where when we were at the, our very first offsite, we sat around with all of our post-it notes and like followed its steps into figuring out what our vision or purpose our mission and our core values would be. Um, so it was almost like a, a guidebook. And so we want people when they come in and join Bonfire to read it, not because they necessarily need to do that, but to understand what we mean when we say certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, let's see. So then we did Radical Candor, um, which I think is a lot of people have read. Um, that, but, I, I'm not familiar. You what? I'm not familiar with Radical Candor. Oh, okay. So these, these sound like kind of business and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Books that I, that I yeah. Find in the business section. Yeah. Yeah. There's sort of that kind of thing, but they talk about, she talks about, um, being able to actually give open feedback to each other 
um, which is very important to what we're trying to do at Bumfire, which is we're trying to be able to give each other feedback, but trying to do it in a way that, so there's sort of four sides of the graph, ruinous empathy, which means you never actually tell anybody, you tell everybody, you tell someone everything is fantastic. They turn in a bad presentation or something like that. And you're like, oh, it's so good because you don't want to hurt their feelings. But then sure. they keep doing the same crap thing over and over <laughs> when really they would be like, you know, they would be much happier if you told them what they were doing so that they could maybe learn and fix it. Um, obnoxious aggression is sort of the other side of it where you're just like, I hate your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's radical candor, which in theory you would say, I like your shoes. They're great. I see why you like them, but in this case, they're not useful. This is a terrible sure. example. <laughs> no, I, I can dig it. I can dig it. I, uh, yeah, I, okay. I, <laughs> yeah. I've been in enough like editing sessions where someone writes a very nice uh, comment on my draft and is like, I see what you're going for. I'm so sorry. It's total shit. <laughs> right. And then offering help. Like maybe if you um like restructure these two sections it would make a lot it would flow better and you're like i can do that um so it's also about mentorship and you know taking care of each other are you guys reading any sort of like non uh, uh actual like fiction books we do those aren't sort of in our uh book club as much mm -hmm. um but and also um for example the you know, the engineers, they have their own book club where they read certain engineering books. So oh, well, of course. there's lots of books coming around. Yep. And then we also do a lot of, um, we do like saga and chew and like Brian, Brian K. Vaughn yeah, saga. Like, like the, Hell, like the yeah. comic books get passed around like crazy. Um, so there's always stacks oh, on people's boy. desks. Good old welcome to abortion town saga. Uh, <laughs> uh that that that's awesome to hear uh at least yeah. that, like, kind of that stuff's getting floated around um i, I assume then you yourself are uh, a pretty big like fiction or comics reader um i used to be lately i've just been reading um these kind of business books i just read a great book and i'm you're gonna ask me what it's called but i have to look <laughs> it up <laughs> because you know when you read something on the kindle you don't have the cover in front of you mm -hmm. um so you don't necessarily remember what it's called. So I'm I'm getting it right now. So we can circle back as to a, the book. As a former read. Barnes and Noble person, I'm not allowed to say the word Kindle, only Nook. You know, yeah. Yeah, same same idea. Let's see. It was fascinating though. You might enjoy it, but I'll get it for you. I've I've been on a, a nonfiction bent myself yeah. for the last maybe like year or so. Uh just uh, the, the strangely enough, like I gave this to my partner, um, uh, a book called Good and Mad, uh, and I'm blanking on the author's name, but it was basically about like systemic sexism um, uh, against women and also how that translates into uh, the workplace and how that has like manifested over the various centuries uh, as uh, in the form of very pissed women and uh, what that, you know, anger uh, uh, has has instigated, you know, change wise. Yeah. So I found it. It's called This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, Mapping the Relationship <laughs> Between Online Trolling and Mainstream Culture. It was fascinating oh, wow. by Whitney Phillips. Cool. And she talks about the birth of the me, birth of memes, and 
it was fascinating. And I was also there for a lot of it because I think I'm older I was than say. a lot of people are. So I was like, yeah, 4chan. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. But it was oh, yeah. just yeah. so great to have it all sort of contextualized in this history of it. Fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. I highly recommend it. If you if you could talk to that author and like kind of impart one point or one lesson uh, or one experience to uh, it was a a woman, right? Um, What would you say? Like, did she miss anything or did like could she have uh, expanded on anything by Mm -hmm. consulting you? No, I mean, she it is she was in it. You know what I mean? Like she it's I think she's like a folklorist maybe, but she spoke to a number of trolls, was in that community when when a lot of it was happening um, and contextualized a lot of it. It was fantastic. It's funny. I was I was just listening to a podcast, um, uh, Vox is the Weeds, I, I listen to occasionally. And usually a lot of time it's like like research and analysis kind of stuff. And it's like, eh, okay, it's a little dry, but this last episode, they just had uh, 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 the, the incel movements they talked about the you know involuntary celibates uh the you know the the angry young men who can't seem to get any sex and uh how that like manifested and everything and it was super fascinating but um yeah so uh, <laughs> speaking of like of course you know your your background having been through uh the trenches of a lot of that uh one thing that always we see a lot of people from games media eventually make a transition over to uh, the game development side. And I am very curious if like any of the lessons that you've uh, uh, experienced or, or gone through uh, during your time in games media, if those have translated in any meaningful way to, you know, how you tackle a problem on the dev side. Um, I think what has been useful is that we were very scrappy because we worked in cable. Um, as we called it, third tier expanded cable. Um, (laughs) and we called it that because that's what we were. Grandma Um, has it. Yeah. Yep. Third tier expanded cable. cable. Yeah. Um, is that scrappiness, which, and flexibility, which is, I guess, apparently true across industries. Um, so that has been something that has definitely transferred over from that side. Um, the projects are longer, um, you know, we basically had a project every single day on X Play or yeah. with Attack of the Show or with screensavers. It was like every day was a new project. Um, so it was just a different pace, um, but it's still the same creative process. It's just over a long period of time. All right. And let me see. Sorry, I'm kind of pausing no myself here. It gives um, me t- a chance to eat a piece cuties, of cutie. Please. Yes. <laughs> Devour the cutie. So good. This is an, this is, um, a podcast brought to you by cuties <laughs> favorite snack of former tv personality morgan webb please let's let's do the let's do the we need we, <laughs> I'll, I'll start i'll get a cutie company to make me do one of those bullshit like one minute ads of like cuties they're not just for x-play hosts yeah. <laughs> yes they are they are all for me they're, they're only for me <laughs> Yeah, right. one of our um, engineers actually brings the cuties in and he at first brought one bag and now he brings like three or four because they go really fast. They, uh, the, you know, I, in Florida, um, I, I was visiting my partner there for her graduation and I was basically like 
dicking around town because uh, she had left and I was waiting for a flight back home. Uh, but I went to this store uh, that was all oranges and cuties, literally all <gasps> oranges and cuties. Like, and I'm talking like what? a pretty big store, not, not some podunk thing. They had like a smoothie bar uh, and everything, but <laughs> all right. Uh, i tell you what, we'll yeah. close up with uh, one or two other questions here and then I'll let you get out of here. I'm going to edit this out, of course. Uh, do, do, do. I think you should leave in all of the do, do, do. Leave in all of this. And all of the chewing of the cuties. Yes. I told you this is going to become an ASMR podcast. <laughs> and my dog uh, here is here and she's got a cough. And so she hasn't coughed this whole time and I'm very happy. Oh, that's that's great. My, my, my dog Chip today, uh, he's being a little shit. He was already given dinner, and then I come downstairs, tired, not really uh-huh. thinking too straight, and he looks at his bowl and be like, oh, it's it's a little after five o'clock. Of course it's dinner time. Here. So I feed him both his dry and his wet food, and he wolfs that shit down. And someone comes downstairs and is like, you know I fed him already, right? He's like, uh... god damn it. <laughs> and, and Chip's just like, hey, I have to, I have to poo now. <laughs> He's like, I got to go outside. I got to go to the bathroom really bad Thanks, for some bro. reason. <laughs> What a, in all your time working in games media and, and now dev, but what, what was, what was your favorite sketch at X-Play? Uh, my, my memory of a lot of this, of course, is, is colored by my, my time at grandma's and a lot, like I was super stunned to see like the, there was like a 1500 episode count uh, or something close. Yeah, it was about 1500. Yep. Uh, can you even remember like what your favorite sketch was of the time? Yeah, I mean, I would say that I loved them all, but I didn't. Some of them are terrible. I mean, when you have that much content to produce, you're going to have some duds, mm. but you're also, you know, we had, I felt at least we had, our sketches were consistently funny. Um, one of our producers, um, so to X-Play, it wasn't really, if you were a producer, you also wrote your segments and directed your segments and did all the creative on your segments. It was... Um, you know, it wasn't the separation where producers and, you know, creatives were separate. Um, but Leffler, his name was Leffler and still is Leffler. Um, he was hilarious. And so he would do these crazy over the top segments and special episodes. Um, the X play musical episode was great. I watched it recently. Oh, that's right. Um, as I kind of found all my DVDs and I was ripping them, my old DVDs. Um, that was one of my favorites. Um, I love the Skyrim segment we did. Um, I love the Save Carmine segment we did. Um, they're just a lot of funny, fun things, and it's probably because I see myself and my friends in them and remember how much fun we had making them. Mm-hmm. So that's probably influencing my memory of them or my perception of them. But those were some of my favorites. And uh, what I, I always feel like asking these questions like make people feel d- terribly dated and old, but there's no way of getting around. Like, how how do you feel like games media has evolved? Of course, we've we've gone through various shifts. There was the day where X Play uh, could be a, a viable thing on, or at least a semi viable thing on a television channel, uh, and then <laughs> not and viable then, enough, not enough, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, oh. then then the internet boom and 
we had like a big, you know, quote unquote pivot to video on the internet. And that's kind of fallen by the way, not really fallen by the wayside, but certainly taken some hits too. Uh, what do you think about when you look at the, the way kind of, uh, the big games media outlets of today kind of operate? I mean, I remember when IGN was all these weird procedurally generated pages. I don't miss those days. Um, (laughs) It was so weird. You probably don't remember that time. It was this weird I, moment in history where everything was procedurally generated, and you're like, "This is not a web page. This is like, like some internet it, 1.0 shit." Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I still follow journalism. I see a lot of the same stories, but not in a bad way. You know, reviews, developer interviews, that kind of thing. I suppose, like, I suppose I've already then kind of asked that question of, like, you you came from this, like, really big broadcast background, and uh, I suppose we see, uh, in a way, we've almost kind of come back around to, X-Play was built on the strength of, like, the people who hosted it, right? Um, yourself and Adam Sessler. And the producers. And, and the producers, I imagine. Yeah. Well, that, that's an interesting kind of point to make, too. Um, these days, of course, YouTubers, unless they themselves are like a large operation, they won't have a producer. It's 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 them kind of leading their own business uh, for the most part. Um, what is seeing that kind of difference these days? Uh do you feel like those kinds of video creators are missing out by not having a producer or like what, what sticks out to you on that front? I mean, I have so much respect for the people who do it, do streaming all day, every day. I I think people, and probably even young people when they look at it, they're like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to be a Twitch streamer. It's hard work yeah, and it is exhausting to be on all that time. Um, I do a stream on Thursdays. Uh, we play oddballs and, um, you know, it's like a three hour, three and a half hour stream sometimes. And it's exhausting. And then also watching the Twitch chat and also promoting it. And it's, it's a huge 24 hour job. I think people like the big people when they can afford it, do get producers. And I think we'll see more and more of that kind of thing. Um, trying to organize content, think of new content ideas, um, do behind the scenes, do social, do setup, all that stuff is, I think they're going to have the benefit of producers. But there's also something magical about, you know, when you're working with producers, you're working with people who really know the industry. There's something magical about you create something better than you could have created alone. Mm-hmm. And I do see that with Twitch streamers, you know, they, they, stream together. The stream that I do is with, you know, a bunch of other people and, you know, you just do create that better content if you're with other people versus in a vacuum. So I I, I think that that'll kind of change and evolve as, as time goes on and if it'll get more collaborative, mm -hmm. not less. I did see, yeah, I I was looking at those kind of oddball role plays and do you yourself have, uh, kind of a, a, um, uh, like creative director you may not be like the creative director but like do you have a creative inputs on a show like that other than like playing your character and kind of playing along so on this show um jesse cox is our gm and so he has created this whole adventure in this whole crazy world with these crazy sets of rules and then we just run through it Mm -hmm. so it's actually really easy because i just sit down and i'm like how are you going to entertain me today (laughs) Um, are you are you one but, of those are you one of those role players who's like how can I fuck with you today? 
<laughs> no, because he's so busy fucking with us. Okay, good. That's a good DM. That is a good DM. <laughs> I, uh, I never trust him when he smiles. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. oh God. <laughs> like when he pulls up a book to like consult a, a mysterious rule that you're like, oh, shit, what can happen? But uh, yeah, I tried he DMing for grin. I tried DMing for the first time back in uh, around Christmas, and after after like a year of of being a player in a D and D and Pathfinder kind of game, and boy, I jumped into a goddamn fire. Let me tell you, Morgan Webb. Uh, <laughs> How did it go? <laughs> so uh, my first time DMing ever, D and D five uh, fifth edition. Uh, guess how many people I had at my table, like who were all like, I want to be a character. I want to be a character. I want to be a character. Oh my God. Like eight. I had like nine. Um, <gasps> yes. And, and it started with eight and I was like, okay, shit. All right, fine. My partner was there. Some of my best buddies were there. Uh, one of my friend's dad was there. And like, I was like, all these people have played role play. It's going to be fine. But then I didn't take into account. My one shot was effectively Willy Wonka meets, uh, like Duff beer from the Simpsons. <laughs> and so it's basically like instead of a candy factory more like a a, a massive humongous uh brewery and uh uh actually it was more like it was more like willy wonka meets kind of the slurms mckenzie futurama like actually he's a bad guy kind of shtick and mm. so my idea was hey everybody we're gonna have a like how drunk are you mechanic and then everyone's like oh why don't we just do that in real life so everyone started drinking and of course, just hell breaks loose. And then, then Morgan Webb, uh, our friend uh, comes in the house. We did not expect him. He had gone off to military stuff for, we thought, months and months. And he got, you know, let free for like the holiday and got there like a few days earlier than we thought he, we, he was going to come. And we're like, hey, man, how you doing? How you doing? And he was our, pre our previous DM. Uh, and we had put him through the damn ringer. Uh, with our mm. with our shenanigans and so he brings out like a huge like flagon <laughs> and like, <laughs> i joe i'm going to fuck with you today <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, let's just say the the night ended with nerf guns that's that's all i'll say but, <gasps> but yeah no I, and is that the last time you did that that's the last time i've i've had the opportunity i've been too busy to do it and i've been i've been meaning to uh, but, uh, I'm making a move to LA. So I have to, uh, around the end of this month, actually, I'm moving from Chicago to the LA area. So I'm trying to cram that in, uh, I tell you what, we'll, we'll wrap up with, uh, in the game world, I, I hope and presume that you still play video games. Of course. Uh, what are you, what do. are you, what are you playing right now? And like, what's really stuck with you? Uh, what, what speaks to you now that you're on like the dev side of things too? Um, honestly, it's the same stuff that spoke to me before. Yeah. I mean, I'm a certain type of gamer. Um, I enjoy a first person shooter. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely, uh, enjoy some chicken dinner. So, okay. Um, I was going to ask, I will where, always... on that, where on that Battlefield Royale table do you fall? So it's PUBG. I, I like uh, PUBG and I like Apex, even though I'm just not great at Apex, yeah, but it's fine too. Right. It's yeah. Um, but that's fine. I, I'll, I'll get better. Um, I also, you know, I will always, I'm just not Fortnite has just never, I mean, I've played it. I played enough. It just hasn't been that thing that's caught my heart. Um, I enjoy, I've always enjoy doom. It's like my relaxation game because you really have to concentrate on it. 
Um, what else? I've been playing some Dead Cells recently. I played it a little bit and then I just can't get it out of my head and it's really annoying. Um, yeah, and then I always play like Factorio and stuff like that when I need a little bit of um, that rote stuff. I like RTSs a lot, but I haven't been playing them lately. Okay, that, that's interesting that you play stuff like Factorio. I've my my big thing this last year has been uh crpgs you know like the isometric stuff like divinity original mm-hmm. sin that's my first like big crpg i i i tried getting into tyranny and pillars of eternity but divinity was the one that did it for me and i should try divinity because i tried pillars of eternity and i it just didn't get there I think Divinity, from what I hear, is a lot smoother experience. But and it's funny you mentioned mm-hmm. the Fortnite thing too. Fortnite, like to me, speaks like I love, I I do love the way that like the game evolves because like, uh, and there's there's contentious stories now, of course, that like Epic, you know, also uh, you know practices some some amount of crunch. But uh, you know, you can, you can read those stories and draw your own conclusions. But uh, I do enjoy how the game evolves over time, and I feel like if I were uh, a pie in the sky developer, I would have a lot of fun with that. But uh, yeah, PUBG and Apex feel like the the games that speak to me a little bit more too. Yeah, and it's just personal preference. Yeah. I'm glad that everybody's exploring the space and there's a lot of different options. All right. Well, we'll wrap up there. And before we go, Morgan, uh, I gotta ask. You know, we're we obviously I I don't know when you folks are gonna start thinking about talking about Bonfire's uh, you know first game and. And what the timeline of all that looks, but when you wake up in the morning and uh, when you go to bed at night, what are the things that like you know get you most excited uh, about your future? Uh, when working with the community at Bonfire and working with the people at Bonfire, what are the things that you kind of think about? Uh, what gets me most excited? Uh, I'm such a problem solver, and I think that's from being in television production for so long. Oh. I really enjoy solving problems. Yeah. <laughs> like I love it. Um, so I just, you know, love the people here and I love that I'm going to get to serve, solve hard problems with them. And we're all, sol- we're all trying to solve these problems that there's no easy answer for. Mm. Um, and that's exciting. And everyone's willing to have the conversation. So I love that. Well, thank you so much, Morgan. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And it's been an absolute blast, like being able to <laughs> speak to someone who like, you know, I... When I started watching X Play, again, this is some shit that might make you feel old. Like I was, I was probably like ten or twelve, something like that. And uh, I, it's, it's very easy for me to say that you and Mr. Adam Sessler had a, a big impact on you know what I wanted to do with my career. Uh, and I really thank you for taking some time and showing me the other side of the industry and uh, oh, yeah. uh, showing me like what's been on your mind lately. So, uh, yeah, folks, if you can always find a new episode of the 1099 every Monday here on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and uh, other places, I, I don't know. Josiah takes care of that. <laughs> and and uh, it just happens by magic. Just happens by magic. Next week, we are going to have the uh, <laughs> writers of Detective Pikachu on. I'm very excited about that. Are you excited for Detective oh, Pikachu? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the 1099. Morgan, thank you so much. Thank you.